to be with you this morning. Um, we are this morning talking about grace. Uh, last week, if you were with us, we talked about Thanksgiving. Uh, we all celebrated Thanksgiving on Thursday, and then I thought it'd be nice to kind of do the second part uh, of what we're giving thanks for, which is, is a gift. Um, these two words, gift and grace, grace is a, is a very uh, churchy kind of word. It's a spiritual word. Uh, gift feels a little more uh, secular or, or something you'd hear out in the world. Um, sometimes I like the world's words as a way of pulling the spiritual ideas out of the heavens and, and kind of into daily life. And so I, I actually want you to think about uh, the word grace in the term gift. In fact, the word itself uh, is, I mean, that, that is the most literal translation. You find this word, charis, like all over the ancient world, and uh, every other time it's, it's translated as gift, um, but we, in our Bibles, often translate it as, as grace. Whatever the case, if you receive a gift, whether it's a, an actual physical gift in life, or, or you begin to look at the world as a gift itself, which is what we really want you to do, uh, you begin to realize, oh, I have something for which to give thanks, right? And so these two things, gifts and thanks, they're interrelated. They're, they're really two sides of the same coin. Um, as we get into today, I I was thinking, I've been reflecting on grace all week, and I was like, man, grace is, is, is awesome. Grace is, it's like unrelenting, and I'm, I'm trying to think of a title, and it's like, it's remarkable. Grace is amazing. Amazing grace, that'd be a great title for like a song or something. Uh, someone should really write that. Uh, all right, let's pray together, and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for all the gifts uh, that we are given in this life. The gift of friends, the gift of families, the gift of churches, the gifts of some time off to take a break and to enjoy one another, to reflect on the many gifts of life. Today, as we come together, Lord, we ask for your presence in this place. We ask, as we do every week, for a word from you that you reach out and you touch us in the deep places of our hearts, and that you remind us once again the gift that your Son was and is to this world. And God, I pray that we walk out changed people. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So I want to start with two stories. Uh, the, the, the second of the two is in, in the Luke 7 passage. So if you want to be turning there uh, while I'm telling the first story, that'd be great. Um, the first story is not at all biblical, um, but it's a story of grace nonetheless. Both stories in my mind uh, have threads that weave together uh, in um, some pretty interesting ways. And so the, the first story is about a guy named Richie. <clears throat> Richie is, uh, this is a true story, by the way. Um, he, he's a guy who was living in Brooklyn in the 1980s, uh, and he wanted nothing more in life than to own his own pizzeria. He got stuck um, in a job that he just didn't really care for uh, in somebody else's pizzeria, and he thought, you know, my day is going to come at some point. 
And uh, there was a guy who would, who would come in the pizzeria regularly. His name was Anthony the Hat. Uh, that was his real name, and that should tell you everything you need to know, reading between the lines uh, about this, this gentleman. Um, we'll get there. So he convinces, Rich, or, uh, yeah, he convinces Richie to leave his job and to come, come work for him. And, and he told him, listen, I've got connections, uh, and the job that I will have you do will pay like three times whatever this pizzeria is paying you right now. Um, and Richie says, you know what? I'm in. Uh, I'm, I'm giving up this part of my life, and, and I'm going to work for Anthony the Hat. The job itself was a simple one. He just had to sit in the front room, uh, and then if the police were to come in the front door, he hits a button under the counter that tells everybody in the back who's illegally gambling back there uh, that the police are in town. They need to burn all the evidence that, that they're working with, right? And so he does this job for like nine months when all of a sudden the police come barging in and before he can ever hit that button, they're through that back door and they are raiding the whole place and they're shutting down the entire operation uh, and Richie runs out the front door uh, and escapes. Uh, a few days later, he's really frustrated uh, at Anthony the Hat <laughs> because he's given up his life as the, at the pizzeria and now he's got no job at all uh, and he's also kind of in hot water with the police. And so he, he's thinking to himself, why did I ever do this? I had this clean life. I, sh I shouldn't have done it. And then Anthony the Hat comes back and he says to Richie, listen, we're going to make this better. Everything's going to be Okay. Take this brown bag and walk in this office over here and give it to the guy behind the counter. And, uh, and Richie says, what, you know, what is this? He looks in the bag and there's $38,000 in the bag in cash. And he's supposed to go to the lawyer. Uh, this, by the way, this is all a true story. He's supposed, to, <laughs> he's supposed to go to the lawyer and buy himself a pizzeria. And Anthony the Hat says, listen, here's the IOU. Uh, take this, you owe me $38,000, but you now own your own pizzeria. Congratulations, your dreams have come true. And this is what he says, my dreams came true in this moment. Um, and so sure enough, like he starts the pizzeria up, he, uh, he starts like putting neon lights in the signs or in the windows, and he, he makes it look great, and business starts to boom, and he's doing well. Uh, and every week, uh, a guy named Bobby Cash comes in, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, this is a true story, it, it is, uh, and, uh, and receives that week's cash uh, to, to pay back the IOU, right? And uh, meanwhile, like as all of this is happening, uh, Richie is experiencing uh, the joys of, of working with the mob, uh, which is they go into any club or restaurant and they're immediately uh, seen as um, you know, the, the coolest people in the room. And, and so they, they get VIP access and, and he's in there with people like you know, Eddie the Blonde and, and Frankie California's there. And, uh, and they're just living the high life, right? And, and the business is booming, and he's doing well until, uh, until it doesn't. And, and, and summer hits, and, and it starts tanking. And, and people have kind of stopped coming in for a time. And Bobby Cash comes in to collect the money, and Richie says, I don't have the money. 
And he's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll come back next week and, I, and I'll get, you know, double the money. And he comes back the next week and he doesn't have the money. And then he, he does this for four weeks and then finally Bobby Cash comes in and pushes him against the wall and says, um, give me my money by tomorrow, you know, or else. And so he leaves and Richie uh, packs up the diner or the, the pizzeria and he locks the doors and he immediately flees, right? He flees town uh, and he goes to his sister's house. And then a few weeks pass and there's a knock at the door and it's who you might imagine. It's, it's Bobby Cash and, and Frankie California. It's all, it's all of them, right? And, uh, and he realizes, he tells his sister, listen, go to the back room. Uh, he takes off all of his jewelry and puts a, hides that away. And, and he goes out uh, to meet the crew. And they take him to the car. And there's uh, Anthony the Hat waiting in, in the car, right? And, and he knows, like, this, this means trouble. Stories from before, when he, when he was hanging out with them as, as the VIP, of what they would do to somebody who doesn't pay his debts. And they would take people to, like, the, the top floor of a 15-story building, and they'd hang them over the edge. And, and so he knew, like, his, his end was coming. So he gets in the car, and um, Anthony the Hat starts talking to him. And he says, you, he, he pulls out that IOU note, and he says, listen, this was the deal. You owe me $38,000, and you are not paying on this, Right? And Richie's like, yeah, I, I know, I'm, I can do it, I can do it. He's like, but you owe me and you've stopped paying. He's like, I know. And, he, and, and he's getting worked up and his stomach is in knots. And, and then Anthony the Hat says, I can tell you're really upset right now. And, he, and he's like, yeah, I'm really upset. And then he takes that IUU note, again, true story, right? And he rips it up. And he says, listen, Richie, I know you. You're a good guy. I know at some point I will get that money. And even if I don't, that's okay. And that was the end. And then Richie walks out of the car. They drop him back off at his sister's place. He says the next night he goes out to a dinner, uh, and he says it's the best food he's ever eaten in his life. And he's not afraid to go anywhere. He, he, he just walks around public, and, and he's, he's a free man. He, he feels like he's walking, you know, five feet off the ground because he doesn't have this weight uh, on his shoulders because he knows now he is not indebted to the mob anymore. He, he is a free man who can live a free life. Now, you might be thinking, like, Eric, there's a long story uh, that is not uh, from Scripture, but I actually think it ties uh, quite well to the kinds of stories that Jesus used to tell, right? And, and so Jesus would tell a story, for example, of like an unjust judge where the persistent widow keeps coming back in order to say, listen, if an unjust judge can behave this way, well then, imagine the way God behaves, Right? And the point here is, of course, like if a mobster, Anthony the Hat, can behave in a way that demonstrates grace and mercy, imagine, right, what the God of the universe behaves like. Which gets us to our, our second story. So hopefully you have uh, Luke 7 open in front of you. 
We'll read it again together. It's somewhat lengthy. Jesus here is dining with one of the Pharisees in town, a guy named Simon the Pharisee. I'm desperate for a joke about Simon the Pharisee and Anthony the Hat. It just didn't quite come together, so I'll just leave it there for you. It goes like this. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who this is, what sort of woman this is who's touching him. She's a sinner. And Jesus, answering him, said, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. I don't know why I like that line so much. Say it. Like, it feels aggressive, right? And the Pharisee is standing there as, as Jesus has entered his house and, uh, and a woman has, has barged through the door. In fact, uh, uninvited it appears, a woman who is indeed known for some kind of sin. We might all be able to guess what that is, but everybody knew what it was, right? And she comes in and she begins to, to well, kiss his feet and anoint his head and to anoint his feet and, and wash them, right? And then Jesus tells a parable. <clears throat> and he says, a certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Uh, I'm not going to get into the weeds on the money thing, but a denarii, just so we're clear, is a day's wage. So like 50 days wage, 500 days wage. Which will love him more is the question. Once those debts are canceled, and Simon answered, well, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you've judged rightly. And then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, what was that? A bird. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay, folks. <clears throat> Maybe that won't be okay, but this will be. Coming back in, uh, so Simon answers the question, the larger debt. Whoever, whoever had the larger debt, they're going to love more. And Jesus says, uh, he looks at him and he says, you've judged rightly. And so he turns to the woman at this point, right? And he looks at the woman, but he's talking to Simon, which means that like, he's really most interested in this woman, and, and what he has to say is really aimed at both of them, right? 
And he says, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. Right? You didn't even wash. You didn't give me water to wash my own feet. But she's come in here and she's wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but from the time I came in, she's not stopped kissing my feet. And you did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. And therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this? We even forgive sins. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace, right? It was a truly remarkable story. It has to be, for me, for my money, it's up there on the stories that we find in our New Testament. I think it gives us this great window into the kind of person that Jesus is, which then gives us a window into who God is and how God walks, uh, desires for us to, to walk through this world, right? We've got two stories of grace here. We've got Richie, right, who was shown a tremendous amount of grace in quite the same way, really, a literal debt that gets torn up, and the response is, is freedom, right? Freedom. He, he feels free to be fully himself, and then in the biblical story, we have a woman whose debt, right, the, the, we assume she's the 500 denarii here, right, this large debt that's, again, been torn up, and she too is, well, she's free. And so there's a lot that this, these two stories work together on to teach us about how grace works, what it is. I'm going to give you three, three things. So the first is, uh, I'm just going to be honest, my guess is we all know all these things, and then sometimes in life we just kind of need to be reminded of the things we already know, because we have a way of just kind of forgetting. And so the first one is that grace is unearned, right? Grace is unearned. This is a little uncomfortable for some of us in the room, and maybe for most of us in the room, because we're actually very comfortable with earning things in life. A relationship in which I do something for you and then you pay me back, like that is kind of standard fare. And so to receive a gift that I can't repay, that can be deeply, deeply uncomfortable. There is nothing Richie does to earn his gift, right? I mean, he, he receives the, the $38,000 and then even the tearing up of the IOU. Like, he can't really repay that. Maybe eventually he can, right? But he's given this gift that was certainly unearned. And then the sinful woman, there's, there's nothing that she can do to earn the gift of forgiveness that she's given, and yet again, Jesus tears up that IOU and says, your faith has saved you, right? Here is this free gift of forgiveness. Anthony the Hat, the mobster, he is able to give a free gift despite being a mob boss. God 
on the other hand, gives free gifts because that is who God is. You see the difference, right? A mob boss isn't by nature a gift giver or a grace doler outer. God, however, is. This is who God is by God's very nature. We get something similar in Luke 11 where, where uh, Jesus is comparing earthly fathers and the heavenly father and he says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish instead of a fish, gives him an egg or a, a scorpion, right? Or a serpent. And then he says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, well, how much more the heavenly father knows how to give good gifts, right? And this is what we have here. If a mobster can give good gifts, well, then how much more the heavenly father? In Exodus 34 is a very famous line that describes, it's, it's like a, a character description of who God is. And the line, by the way, gets repeated, uh, I bet, a dozen times or more throughout our scripture in various books of the Bible and it's this, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. This is who God is, somebody who is gracious and slow to anger abounding in steadfast love, abounding in faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity. And so when we see Jesus forgiving iniquity in the story today from the sinful woman, we are not at all surprised, or at least we shouldn't be, because this is who God is through history. But this is indeed an unearned sort of gift. It is unearned. And so if we're honest, gifts can make many of us uncomfortable because often we feel the need to return something back. We'll get to what that could possibly be by the end of this sermon, but the truth is there's nothing we can give back that would ever match the grace or the gift that we have been given. Philip Yancey writes that grace is a free gift of God, but to receive it, you have to have open hands, right? And so what we learn is that if we are to receive God's free gift, well, we've got to be ready for it. We've got to have these open hands, which gets us really to number two here. That grace is unearned, but it must be received. Grace is unearned, but it must be received. Richie does not earn the $38,000 he has given. He doesn't earn the freedom he has given at the end when the IOU note is torn up. Those are all gifts. The sinful woman doesn't earn her forgiveness. Her lavish demonstrations of love are not what earns her forgiveness. Those are actually the outflow of somebody who has received, who has received the gift, right? But the real key to number two here 
is not in Richie or the sinful woman. It's in the Pharisee. You see, because the Pharisee, he does not receive this gift, does he? In fact, he doesn't even see the gift. He, he's there in that room, too. And when Jesus tells the parable about the, the 500 denarii and, and the 50 denarii, there is another person in that parable, right? We assume that the, that the woman is the 500, that she has this sin that uh, is so great and, and a debt that is so great that it, it's like to tear it up would, would cause her to love Jesus and to love God uh, immensely. But then the, the question remains, well, who's the 50? And the answer is perhaps simple. It's, it's the Pharisee. But what the Pharisee doesn't see is that his IOU note is being torn up too. But he doesn't see it, so he doesn't receive it, right? And so grace is unearned. And I do believe that Jesus is offering and ready and willing to give grace to who's, whoever has their hands open to receive it. But the problem with the Pharisee is that he doesn't, he, he, he's not ready. He has not opened those hands and he doesn't recognize his own need. I found a great quote from Frederick Buechner uh, that I wanted to share with you. I think it hits on this point of, of grace being received and the need to open our hands to receive it. Uh, he starts, however, in a way that I quite like as well. And it, it's to say that grace is, and, and the gift of God is, is in forgiveness, yes, but it's actually in all of life. Our whole lives are gifts, not just the forgiveness part. It goes like this. The grace of God means something like this. Uh, here is your life. <clears throat> you might never have been, but you are, because the party wouldn't have been complete without you. Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen, but don't be afraid. I am with you. Nothing can ever separate us. It's for you I created the universe. I love you. There's only one catch. Like any other gift, the gift of grace can be yours only if you'll reach out and take it, which is the open hands part of this, right? It's the receiving of it. But Buechner gets something right in that even this last line, maybe being able to reach out and take it is a gift too. This is what gets us into some interesting theological ground here because if we were able to reach out and take that gift you might think well I did that right well that's my my, my part this is what I do and then God gives and, and I do the receiving now what Beekner is saying is that maybe even that part the part that feels like us doing something even that is God's gift to us Nevertheless, there is a third point I want to make. Grace is indeed unearned, but it must be received, and it elicits an appropriate response. It elicits an appropriate response. In Richie's story, the gift he is given in the lawyer's office and the gift he is given at the very end of the story 
are both met with a kind of gratitude. It's an outpouring of affection. Richie is walking five feet off the ground at the end of the story because he feels so light and free. This is the response. He knows that what he's been given is a tremendous gift. And there is this overflow of excitement and freedom, perhaps even some kind of love in there, gratitude for sure. The story of the sinful woman is actually similar. She is so full of love for Jesus, for the forgiveness, that she is literally kissing his feet. The response to the forgiveness of her debt is obvious. It's this overflow of emotion. She's crying, right? The tears are flowing and she's washing his feet. And you can see that there is this response that she has to the gift that she has been given. The Pharisee, of course, is a different story altogether. As Jesus notices, the woman who kisses his feet is showing lots of interest in Jesus, but Simon the Pharisee doesn't kiss him at all doesn't provide water even for his feet. There is no affection. There's no positive regard. It's just a very different relationship altogether. Jesus says, she has anointed my feet, but you didn't even anoint my head. Basically, he's saying, because of the gift she received, her response is to pour out her very best ointment for me. She's taken her expensive oils and she's given them to me. She has met gift with gift, grace with grace. But you, Simon, you haven't met me with anything, which tells me how much you value me and my presence and any grace I might be able to offer you. If we turn our gaze inward for just a second here, it's worth asking ourselves some questions. Who are we in this story, right? We've all received, well, we've all been given God's grace. Whether or not we've all received that grace is a different question. And then perhaps the way to tell is what sort of appropriate response is elicited from us. When is the last time we felt gratitude for God? When is the last time you poured out your best oils and given gifts back to God out of the overflow of your heart because of what God has done for you? I would invite you today to say that today's the day You are Richie. (laughs) You've been set free from a debt you cannot pay. And though you might expect certain death, or at least being hung upside down from a 15-story building, you are instead given life and freedom and even a steak dinner. You are that sinful woman, and Jesus has offered you forgiveness and love. If you just open your eyes and you see it, the question remaining is, will you receive it? Let's pray.
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are a God who uh, is abundant in so many things. God, one of those things is that you abundantly love us, each and every one of us. You are coming after us. You desire to be with us. God, today, you are opening your hand of grace to us once again. Once again, you are saying, I am offering this to you. If you just open your hand and receive it. God, I pray that this morning, that we open our hands and our hearts to the gifts that you are giving to us. That, Lord, we receive them. And that it prompt in us the appropriate response for a gift so large, such as life and freedom and the goodness that you offer us. God, today, may we leave this place a changed people, a people who recognize the gift of love and life that you've given us and who go out into a world ready to offer that same gift to the people around us. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.